Welcome to the Table Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines the response to life itself and all it entails. Today, I am your host, Bula, and I will be doing a little bit of a book review on The Twelve Little Cakes by Dominica Derry. Do enjoy our first song and we'll get straight in it. There's a place, there's a river that beckons me Where the current is strong and the water's deep That's where I found you, or maybe you found me That's the day that this prisoner was released There is healing in the water When you find that river of life There's a freedom like no other When you come Beginning has finally begun. Tell you the secret. Would you believe it? I've been saved by the power of Jesus' love. There is healing in the water when you find that river of life. There's a freedom like no other when you come out baptized. Cakes. Uh, not necessarily an, a book that I would have initially picked up, 
But I was sold on the war, and unfortunately, that is the thing that usually uh, grasps my attention. So this is a winsome memoir of a girl growing up in 1970s Czechoslovakia that will steal your heart. Nicholas Sparks says that every now and then, and always when you least expect it, you come across a memoir that takes your breath away. Dominica Derry's or Deray's story flows into wisdom, wit, courage, and triumph. It will leave you feeling as if you've known her all along and that your life is better for it. Uh, Nuala O'Fallon says that the public world is rotten with lies and suspicion, but the sweet and feisty child who dances through this memoir is a truth teller. In communist Czechoslovakia, she's always getting into trouble for it, perfectly recapturing the detailed perspective of a small person looking up at adults. Dominika Derry shows how one loved child has made magic out of a society hostile to love. So that's just some of the commentary on the book itself. But what it is about is, according to the preface, it says that long before she was born, Dominica's first Dominica first appeared in a dream to her mother. So when she came to be, she was welcomed with eager expectation and much love. Though her arrival was auspicious, as the child of descendants, dissidents associated with the failed Prague Spring Uprising, Dominica would live a life that was far from charmed. Her mother was disowned by her parents, who were members of the party elite. Her father was an economist whose politics resulted in his working as a taxi driver, but who nevertheless remained an unrepentant optimist. Rounding out the family, colourful, even by the local standards, were a beautiful, voluptuous teenage sister uh, with many male admirers and an enormous Saint Bernard who, in his youth, had been a famous Czech star. In a village on the outskirts of Prague, full of gossipy neighbors, state informants, friendly old grandmothers, quote-unquote, and small-town prejudices, Dominica grows up a self-possessed child whose openness and curiosity often lead her and her family into trouble. Yet the love, pride, and quirky ingenuity that bind them together will guarantee their survival and ultimately their happiness. Through the best and worst of times, The Twelve Little Cakes is equal parts testimony to the struggles of bygone era and a love letter to a joyful childhood that no external uh, circumstances could force or dim. So just going into a little bit of the book, it says that it was written for my mother, Jana, my father, Yarda, and Barry. Um, and then the acknowledgments going out to the agent, Teresa Park, and editors and publishers. Um, and then into the first chapter, we're just going to read a couple of lines. And it says that the little delight is the first chapter. A year before I was born, I started turning up in my mother's dreams. She would go to sleep and I would appear before her. A happy little girl in a time of great unhappiness. It was the mid-70s and Czechoslovakia was at the mercy of the Russians. The borders had been closed. The Soviet Union had taken control of our government and the hope of the 60s had been crushed by the Cold War. Things were so bad, in fact, that my parents had resolved to not bring another child into the world. And then I turned up. My mother rem remembers the first time she dreamed me. She was standing in the middle of a blossoming garden and a little girl came running through the trees. Ayoy, the girl exclaimed, which is the informal way of in greeting someone in Czech. She took my mother's hand and smiled hopefully. Will you come with me? She asked. Yes, my mother replied. And the little girl led her to a swing that hung from the branch of an apple tree. Push me, she cried. She climbed into the swing and the mother began to push it. Higher, the girl demanded, and my mother pushed her until her feet touched the sky. The sun broke through the morning clouds and my mother's heart was filled with happiness. When she woke up, she could still hear the girl's laughter. She pressed her body against my father's back and sighed. 
What a beautiful dream, she thought. And then the alarm clock went off, and she had to get up and catch the 7.15 train to Prague. My mother worked as an analyst at the State Economic Institute. She wrote books that her communist bosses took credit for and had to support her family on a meager wage. As my father had difficulty keeping a job, he had worked for the Czech government during the 60s and was blacklisted by the Russians after the 1968 invasion. An engineer by trade, he would occasionally find work shoveling coal into a furnace, driving a garbage truck, or mixing concrete on a construction site. But the second his political records reached his employers, he would be fired. There was a, also a real threat that he might be thrown into jail, as it was forbidden to be unemployed under communism, and my mother's biggest fear was that a late-night phone call from the prison. The first time the little girl came running through the trees, my mother thought of her own happy childhood. It wasn't until the third or fourth dream that she suddenly understood that the girl was her daughter. Night after night, the girl would appear in the garden and lead my mother to the swing, and she would squeal with delight as the sun broke through the clouds. It had been a long time since my mother had heard such innocent laughter, and she would wake up each morning with a strong feeling that things were going to get better. She hoped until she believed, and she believed until she knew. She would have another child, and that child would be the girl from her dream. She told my father about the girl in the swing, and he eventually agreed that they would have another child. My sister Clara was nine at the time, and excited to learn that she would have a baby sister. Neither she nor my dad were the slightest persuaded by my mother's decision to give birth as the result of a dream. My mother's dreams had a habit of coming true. She came from a long line of people who had premonitions, and the way she remembers it, the little girl was not only demanding to be born, but also insisting that my parents snap out of their depression and come to terms with what had happened in their country. Life under communism was difficult, but not impossible. The system was unfair, but the human spirit triumphed on a daily basis, and if there was one thing my parents knew for certain in a time of great social and political upheaval, it was this. They loved each other with all their hearts. It was spring in the garden of my mother's dreams, and, my, and the girl's laughter took her back to the days when she and my father were unafraid. Their love was still strong, so maybe the dream was telling them that it had been time to come try and live without fear. In 1974, my mother went off to the, off the pole and tried to become pregnant, and the moment she decided to do this, the little girl vanished from her dreams. She was a messenger, my mother tells me now, but it was definitely you. Everything was the same, especially your voice. I had to wait all those years for you to start talking, but when you did, your voice was exactly the same as I had remembered it. The little girl's disappearance upset my mother very much. It was as though a light had snapped off at the end of the tunnel and her faith was tested every month as her early attempts to get pregnant were unsuccessful. She and my dad kept an eye on the calendar, changed their diets and made love regularly, but nothing happened. They consulted the top specialist in Prague, but it was only that when she sat down with an old wise factory worker that the answer presented itself. The factory worker had been a respected gynecologist in the 40s. He had lived through the German and Russian invasions and had been re-educated by the communists in the time of Stalin. He had also seen a lot of terrible things in his life, but maintained a strong belief in the basic goodness of people. And when my mother told him about the girl in his dreams, he took her hand and smiled. You want your child too badly, Jana, he told her. The best things in life usually come along when you least expect them. If you really want to become pregnant, my advice would be to stop trying so hard and leave it in the hands of the little girl. 
In Czech fairy tales, the little god is a benign but powerful character who turns up in times of conflict. He is depicted as a kindly old man who watches from a distance and smiles approvingly. When a problem resolves itself or sighs and shakes its head when it doesn't. Occasionally, he will turn people into bears if they're wicked, but most of the time he seems content to let his subjects sort their problems out themselves. One of the nicest things about the little god is that he really does seem genuinely happy when things turn out for the best. My mother considered the factory workers advice and decided to leave my birth in the hands of the little god. From that moment on, she and my father made love for the joy of it and instead of desperation to conceive. And of course, the moment they did, my mother became pregnant. These were difficult as a result of my father's struggle to keep a job, and my parents really couldn't afford another child, but their faith was rewarded by a sudden upswing of circumstance. My father managed to get hold of his license to drive taxis, and because of the independent nature of the taxi companies at the time, it would be many years before the secret police could take away his job uh, from him. He worked at night most of the time, ferrying customers across Prague in the hours when the secret police had clocked off. The great irony about his taxi driving years was that he earned a lot more money than he ever would have as an engineer. My dad was not only an excellent driver, he was also very chatty and charming. He made a point of talking the most direct or taking the most direct routes to his customers' destinations and quickly built up a small but devoted clientele who not only trusted him but enjoyed listening to his stories. He told everyone he drove that he would soon be the father of a second child, which is how he met the obstetrician who delivered me. Unless you were a high-ranking member of the Communist Party, you didn't get to choose which doctor or hospital you went to. Under the state health system, you had to go to the medical center that was closest to your place of residence. If the doctors there were ill-mannered or incompetent, there was nothing you could do about it. When my sister was born, my mother was sent to the Karlov Hospital, which was a cold and oppressive building in a desolate yard with crows perching ominously in the trees outside her, wa- her window. My mother was very unhappy birth, uh, giving birth there and, my, and told my father that she would do anything to avoid delivering another baby in the Crow Hospital, quote-unquote. Shortly afterward, as a luck or the little god would have had it, my dad struck up a conversation with a pretty young doctor who had just been transferred to the nicest hospital in Prague. The woman's name was Dr. Raklavska, and she was taken by my father's story about his little girl and his wife, who, had, uh, who his wife had seen in her dreams. The young doctor also needed driving lessons, so my dad quickly cut a deal. He taught her in exchange for her accepting my mother in the delivery room when she was due. It was against all the hospital regulations, of course, but communism was full of people making private arrangements, which is how I came to be born in the exclusive Podoli Hospital on March the 7th, 1975, the same month Dr. Rakoslava passed her driving test with flying colors. So I'm going to continue on with a little bit more from the book, um, but just after the second song. So do enjoy. Active FM. Active FM. Remember, Christ music is heart music. Them boys they mention my name, more than the killing feet, sharing one thing all in common, I'm what they couldn't be, moving like snakes in the grass, I'm on alert, last time I gave them a chance, it was the first, who, which one of them, 
tone is like two. Y'all better drop a protect because my time is like. That took forever to let you know just how I move. These days they judge what they can't do. Always new ways, Chrome House too. So worry about me, focus about you. I had Epiphany, Tiffany missing me. Asking me questions, they trying to get rid of me. Hitting that work and the one with another lie. I wish you well, cause you're not one of my. Them boys they mention my name. More than they killing feet. Sharing one thing on the common. I'm what they couldn't be. Moving like snakes in the grass. I'm on alert. Last time I gave them a chance, it was the first. Nah, it was the last. Put on the neck and the gas. I must adapt. Change is important, that's facts. Quit riding waves. Hit me tomorrow and love me today. Don't reminisce. We send the shots and we do not miss. Tell you what I'm gonna give you, snakes. What are they gonna give us? Drop and protect. They just lost all my respect. Hard and pull up with the left. You can't recover what's next. They think I'm done. They keep on playing with the kid. They just my sons. Talking like that could get hit. Them boys they mention my name. More than a killing feet. Sharing one thing all in common. I'm what they couldn't be. Moving like snakes in the grass. I'm on alert. Last time I gave them a chance. It was the first. So continuing on, and just as a point of note, I really appreciate the way that the book is written. It's not only easy to read, but also easy to understand. There isn't very much um, that you know hinders you from wanting to read. And for me, that's always a thing that I look out for. Another thing is, and this is just a nitpicky thing for me, I really like yellow pages in a book, and I'm very glad that these are a ivory color instead of just plain white. If you're reading this book on a, um, a Kindle or tablet or screen whatever it may be um, you will obviously have a different experience but just as a whole holding the book in my hand is really enjoyable um, so I'm just going to read a couple more lines from this book and then we'll wrap things up so it says that the Podolia Hospital was a lovely cream-colored building that stood beneath the Weishard Castle in the south bank of Prague's Vlatla what Vlatava River please edit that uh, it overlooked a place where the swans traditionally nested in winter and was so nice that it, almost, it was almost impossible to get into. Prague was full of places that ordinary citizens were not allowed to visit, and one of the saddest things about the Soviet occupation was that it forced the formerly civilized Czech people to become very adept to cutting under-the-table deals. From 1948 to 18. To 1989, the people who profited the most under communism were those that had uh, the moral flexibility that you could say one thing and do another. With the exception of a very small percentage of overly idealistic or stupid people, everyone in Czechoslovakia had, saw, had seen communism for what it was, a deeply, deeply flawed and corrupt system in which a wealthy elite were able to oppress their fellow countrymen in the name of equality. This moral flexibility dates back to the Russian liberation of Prague in 1945. One of the first things the Red Army did was to use Gestapo archives to identify all the Czechs who had secretly collaborated with the Nazis. 
Instead of punishing these people, the Russian coerced them into joining the secret police, which played a major role in the 1948 Pushk. This is in which the Czechoslovakian government was overthrown by the Communist Party. A reign of terror ensued until the death of Stalin in 1953, by which time the status quo was firmly in place. Party officials paid lip service to Marxism and the myth of the worker while systematically stealing the assets of the state, the result being a small elite of the super-rich overseeing a country with serious economic problems. In the mid-60s, when my father worked briefly for the government, there was a lot of disillusionment about Soviet-style communism. People accepted the ideology because they were afraid, but their fear didn't prevent them from seeing the wealth that was being flaunted by the party elite. In the spirit of the times, many idealistic young people wanted to change the way of the country, change the way that the country was run. And this led to the emergence of humanist faction within the party. This faction wanted to implement a progressive brand of socialism and more important, sever the ties between the Czech and Russian governments. So this is where I will end. But so far, such an enjoyable uh, book. I'm really excited to get into the thick of it and, you know, really enjoy it. But I would advise that you pick it up if you are able. It's always interesting to read of the history of people, their lives. And obviously, as a memoir, um, this is actually something quite enjoyable to read. So that is all from me. I do hope that you're enjoying the new year. 2024 is off with a bang and I hope that you're making plans to uh, continue learning and to continue enjoying the the skill of learning really uh, reading and, and sharing and information with others so that's all from me to have a lovely day and cheers stay updated and entertained with active FM on Twitter Instagram Facebook TikTok Apple Podcasts, YouTube LinkedIn Spotify anchor and everywhere else engage with us like the post, comment, share them out, retweet and repost. Spread the word, Active FM. Radio has never been better.